This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. 
But of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Jamie. Caitlin, what's up? Uh, I'm going through puberty. Ew, aren't you like 36? <laughs> Yeah, it didn't happen until now. Sorry, I didn't mean to shame you. Yeah, rude. Okay. Um, but there's another thing. There's another layer. Okay. When I go through puberty, uh, I turn into a cat. Oh. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. I love that that's her friend's reaction. They're like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, could you do it more, actually? Because <laughs> I think it's awesome. Yeah, and you can take pictures with me, but you also you have to pay me. Oh, okay. Okay, girl boss. <laughs> yeah, Gate I'm trying to capitalize cat of access. <laughs> I think that was a solid intro. That was 20 mm. out of 10. No notes. Uh, Won't take it a second time. Uh, <laughs> agree. Agree. Yeah. Um, so welcome to the Bechtel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name's Jamie Loftus, and this is our podcast where we look at movies from an intersectional feminist lens and uh, and have a little fun and goof around and, you know, turn into the animal of your choice. And it's metaphorical. Mm. And if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, yeah. whatever. Whatever. I do. Okay. My brain is in 500 places today. We're going to get around to talking about the Bechtel test in just a second. Mm -hmm. But I do think, Caitlin, that we should reiterate that you noticed a correlation between turning red and despicable me that I do feel like is worth repeating at some point in the episode. And yes, I think I'll do it during the recap. I should have said that off mic, but it, it <laughs> really is important to me that because we mentioned it, but there's a paywall and I really feel like this should be publicly accessible information. I agree. So there's a yeah. there's a an opportune moment in the recap that I will bring it up. I trust you. Rest assured. So anyways, uh we use the Bechtel <laughs> test as a jumping off point for discussion uh but but what is the Bechdel test Caitlin Durante it is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel sometimes called the Bechdel Wallace test there are many versions of it the one that we use is this two characters of a marginalized gender must have names they must speak to each other and their conversation has to be about something other than a man and ideally it's two lines or more of dialogue and a narratively meaningful conversation. So it can't just be like, how's the weather? It's and then good. They say, Shut up. <laughs> and that does pass, but it's not important. Unless the movie is about weather, you know, <laughs> weather denial. <laughs> um, okay. Well, not really an issue for this movie. So no. we'll, we'll circle back to that a, a while from now, but today, yeah. 
Uh, we are covering, I think it's been a little while since we've covered a recent release. True. But a, a pretty new movie uh, was released on, I think, Disney Plus exclusively a couple months ago called Turning Red. And we have an incredible guest with us today. We sure do. So let's get her in here. She's a writer for Grand Crew and Animaniacs. It's Reka Shankar. Hello. Hey, Hello. Yeah. What's up? Welcome. Hey, not freak, not freaking much. How about you guys? Oh, we're good. Just hanging out. Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> feels good. Feels right. Hanging out, watching Pixar. Yeah, <laughs> it does feel good. I kind of, I hadn't watched a new Pixar movie in a bit. I, what was, what are recent ones? I missed. I still haven't seen Soul. I haven't seen Soul either. Yeah, I saw Soul. Did you like Brag. it? I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it. Did it pass the test? Oh, gosh. I honestly never remember to even pay attention. Sure. And that applies to movies that I am watching for this podcast. I <laughs> I simply don't even pay attention anymore. Whoops. Oops. <laughs> um, look, sometimes you just got to watch movies for fun. And that's what we do whenever yes. we're not getting ready for the show. This movie, though, I mean, this movie was tailor-made to be talked about on our show. So I'm very, very excited. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Sunny is chomping on my recording people. So let's not That's because he that. heard that th this movie was made for the Bechdel test. And he's like, ew. <laughs> I will say... Yeah, for listeners, uh, my dog Sonny is over today, and he really finds the subject matter, to quote him, fucking nasty. <laughs> so you might hear some, you know, some objections in the background. Please disregard them. We're having him de-radicalized. Mm. It's just taking longer than expected. Mm. <laughs> Classic bad dog Sonny, though. My mm. horrible incel dog. <laughs> so, like, uh, Rika, what's your history with this three-month-old movie? Yes. So um, when it came out, I I think I'd only seen like promotional art, so I like really didn't know what it was about. Uh, but a friend of mine uh, is Chinese American and I am Indian American. And she was like, Rika, you got to see this movie. I was like, why? And she's like, I think it is tailor made for you. So I went to her house and we watched it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is tailor made for me. Mm -hmm. I was oh. fucking obsessed with boy bands as a kid. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it was a great, great movie for me. Uh, so that's my three-month-ish history where uh, I didn't know what it was, but then quickly afterwards I learned what it was and then I watched it. Nice. <laughs> hell yeah. Well, we Jamie, just hell yeah in unison. It was that was something else. <laughs> um, my history with this movie is that I had seen this director's short film and really liked it before Incredibles 2 um, she made mm -hmm. the, one of the Pixar shorts, Bow, which I guess won an Oscar, which is like oh, yeah. awesome. But I remember really liking mm -hmm. that. Didn't realize that she was like writing and directing a feature. And then I went to my cousin's wedding a month and a half ago. And part of my um, maid of honor duties was to uh, babysit the best man's nine-year-old daughter for a couple of nights. And so I actually have seen this movie three or four times. Um, that's funny because <laughs> it was like she loved it she was horrified by the fact that I was alive in 2002 and like knew what they were talking about like it was <laughs> so I had seen this movie with the target audience and then also feel like we are the target audience which is awesome and I, I was pretty close to that I was a little right. older in 2002 but not far off we were all there like the uh, it's yeah. So anyways, I've seen this movie a couple times now and it was cool. fun to like watch 
with the podcast in mind as well. So I'm a fan. Caitlin, what's your history? I saw it a few days after it was released on Disney Plus. There was quite a bit of hype about it. And a lot of people were saying this is the best Pixar movie in 10 years. And so I was really excited to see it. I also love red pandas. Mm-hmm. They're my favorite wild animal. Cats are my favorite domestic animal. But any video with a red panda, I'll just, it is the best movie I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> so I was excited to see it. I liked it a lot. I humbly disagree with it being the best Pixar in 10 years because what about Coco? You think that's Cars 3? Okay. <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah. I, Caitlin's <laughs> a closet Cars 3 fan. God. She literally once said, eat shit, Wally. <laughs> Call me back when your car is three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might not be able to see Caitlin's room, but it's sort of decked out in car stuff. Yeah. She has a yeah. Lightning McQueen bed, which is kind yeah. of awesome. Which is kind of disgusting, to be honest, but. They make them for queen size mattresses. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. No, I had it custom made. So. <laughs> oh, my God. That's <laughs> awesome. And the bed part is not where you'd think. That's what's kind of surprising. <laughs> yeah. It is like, it's technically a bed, but it's also very much a sex toy. And <laughs> wow, can't believe you're blowing up my spot. On... <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I, I liked it a lot, but... Um, That's annoying that it's like, oh, it has to be the best Pixar movie. It's a it's a good Pixar movie. It's a great Pixar movie. Totally. And we can just, uh, yeah. So I watched it with our mutual friend, Bryant, Mm -hmm. uh, Jamie, and we had a nice time. Nice. And that's my history with it. Amazing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess that there's really not much more. But there, I guess to like, before we start discussing like the plot of the movie I think the first I heard of this movie I maybe just like missed when it was like announced as coming out but the first time I heard about it was when people were already like mad they're like why is there a movie about periods I feel freaking sick right now like there was very much like a like I mean and it would it was not you know it was from the sources you would expect but there was like some columnists at more conservative papers that were like, why is this like, you know, it was like yet another like Disney's gone woke kind of right, right, right. vibe, which did to be fair. I was like, oh, I didn't know it was about puberty. I thought it was just about uh, pandas <laughs> because that is kind of like originally I was like, oh, this seems cool. And I really like the short this director made, but there are so many Disney movies about turning into a random animal that I'm like, hmm, do I need to watch this? Yeah, I also thought it was just about turning into an animal. I thought it was like, oh, she has like a tick. Like anytime she's mad, she'll turn into this panda. So the whole thing is like her releasing her anger or something. I had no clue it was about periods. (laughs) Right. And I was like, okay, this is actually like the first spin on this in a long time that I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And I'm like totally in. I just remember feeling so... Brave is a Pixar movie, right? I was just yes. so betrayed when Brave turned into like, why is my mommy a bear? And I'm like, why <laughs> is your mommy a bear? That's not what I thought I was going to watch. Speaking of soul, and I'm hoping, I hope I remember this correctly, but the guy who ends up in the afterlife goes back to Earth, but then it's either his soul or someone else's soul ends up in a cat. So someone is a cat most of the movie. Hmm. So there's that. One, two. They just love that. I mean, it moves merch, I suppose. But it's just. I mean, right. It's a, there's a lot of it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So anyway, should I do the recap? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Rika, feel free to jump in at any point in the recap. Yeah. It's a loose cap. Mm-hmm. Oh, love it. Okay. So it is 2002. We meet Maylin Lee, a 13-year-old girl in Toronto. She goes to school. We learn that she is very high achieving and smart. We meet her best friends, Miriam, Priya, and Abby. Her opening monologue is so cool. Like, I was just like, yes, okay, in, good. Mm -hmm. She's just like talking to camera, which I don't think really ever happens again. Right, right, right. (laughs) But I loved it. Yeah, there's like voiceover sprinkled in and out. But yeah, it's a fun opening montage. Yeah. Whenever I see voiceover only in like two random places, I'm like, was this a studio note? Where they're like, they're not going to understand unless you put in (laughs) aggressive voiceover here that's like, and this is a video of my mom and she's standing next to my dad. They are married and they are my parents or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And I love them so much, but it's complicated. Okay, movie starting. (laughs) which is kind of what's happening but also I was like it's done in a fun enough way yeah I don't mind it totally yeah I didn't mind it at all there's definitely like more egregious examples of that oh for sure in other things yeah yeah Yeah. I was like do you remember that movie oh my god what was that movie that sucked about Fox News ladies oh Oh, bombshell bombshell That movie, I think, is, like, the worst example of that that I always think of, where, like, it was so... It might have even been, like, a reshoot, where there's just two times where Nicole Kidman starts addressing camera in, like, a three-hour movie, and they're really far apart, and you're just like, this is really distracting. (laughs) That's so funny. I don't know why I'm dragging Bombshell, a movie nobody remembers five years later, but here I am. (laughs) I mean, it's not undeserved. Anyway, so... May's friends have a crush on this guy, Devin, who works at a local convenience store. Mm-hmm. But May likes the members of this boy band, Four Town, oh. as do her friends as well. And as do we. I mean, as they're we, hot. Oh, my God. Their song slaps. Funny. I mean, Are could you? be the best Phineas Eilish right? song of all time. <laughs> Billie Eilish and Phineas. <laughs> my jaw dropped the first time I watched the movie with my nine-year-old friend Maya. And then like, you're friend? like, that's who wrote the songs? <laughs> no wonder. I feel like we did become friends. <laughs> there was no one else for me to talk to at the wedding. So we became buddies. But like the first, I was like, wait, Billie Eilish. Like, and it makes so much sense because they're so fucking catchy. Yeah. And yeah. they're legitimately good. I can't stand when like movie bands don't write a song that I actually love. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this one's perfect. This one is great. I would listen for fun. And I will. I have listened for fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so they love Fort Town. And they all want to go to this upcoming concert. But the tickets are very expensive. And it doesn't seem feasible. May goes home after school. Her parents own and operate a temple that honors their ancestors. Particularly their ancestor, Sun Yi who was a guardian of animals, especially red pandas. May helps her mom, Ming, clean and give tours of the temple. May works very hard to impress and honor her family to the point where there's some concern from May and her friends that she is not really her own person. Mm -hmm. Then one day, May starts doodling some 
flirty drawings Ooh, of her. Oh my god, I have loved this sequence so much. <laughs> and that guy Devin from the convenience store, which her mom finds and thinks that something is going on between them. So Ming goes to the convenience store and screams at Devin, which obviously absolutely mortifies May. So the next morning when May wakes up, after some nightmares, she has turned into a giant red panda. Okay, Kafka vibes. <laughs> that was me feeling like an absolute genius writing down Kafka vibes. <laughs> wow, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, it only took me on my fourth watch to be like, oh, Kafka vibes. I forgot that Metamorphosis was also about periods. <laughs> In a big way. Metamorphosis, I think a close read would reveal, would, would reveal that it's about period. It is about getting your period for the first time. What is that <laughs> book series that was popular in like the late Animorphs. 90s? Animorphs. Yeah. Yeah. That's also yeah. that vibe. Yeah. They turned into animals to fight evil. Yeah. <laughs> like the Yerks. Like the Yerks that are coming into your ears. <laughs> but they couldn't always control when it happened. Yeah. Sometimes they would get out of control and turn into a sexy animal. <laughs> yes. And Tobias got stuck as a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Tobias did get stuck as a hawk. Wow. Thank you for outing yourself as someone who knows the particulars of animals. <laughs> I don't. I've never read an animorph. <gasps> Sorry. Oh, it's never too late to start. <laughs> yeah. I kind of wonder what it would be like to read them now because at the time I felt like they were like very horny coded, but I bet that they're just horny. Right. Mm, interesting. And I didn't have enough information to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh, well, so good. <laughs> okay, so May <laughs> has turned into a red panda. She freaks out. Her mom is like, oh no, have you gotten your period? And May is like, sort of. And we're like, yes, this is the metaphor. And May... Sometimes you're like, what is the metaphor? Sometimes the metaphor <laughs> right. has to change. Sometimes it's a few different things. <laughs> I'm always having fun, but sometimes I'm like, I forgot what the metaphor was. <laughs> right. right. So May tries to calm down and take deep breaths, which turns her back into a human, although now her hair is bright red. Yeah. She goes to school as a human trying to act calm, knowing that that should keep the panda at bay. But this kid, Tyler, is mocking May about the incident at the convenience store, and she gets angry and humiliated, which makes her start to turn back into the red panda. Tyler is... Tyler... Triggering. <sighs> You're just like... I knew kids like that at that age. Oh my god. And... Do you have any... Because I was thinking of one specific kid named Jeffrey every time Tyler was on screen. I was like, oh my god. I can't... He used to be like, why is there so much hair on your arms? Mm. And I was like, because I'm Italian. Uh. <laughs> and, and he's like, well, it's gross. And then he would just... walk and. Uh, Mine was this kid named Nick DeLoya, so... I can't believe you full name dropped him. <laughs> yeah, and he's going to listen, so... <laughs> anyway, okay, um, she has to stay calm so that she doesn't turn into the red panda. But then her mom shows up at school, things spiral out of control again, and May turns back into the red panda, which her mom sees... Then May escapes from school and runs through the neighborhood back home where she can hide. 
and her mom arrives home. Now, here's a little thing. A friend of mine cited this, like the mom showing up at school, Mm -hmm. as like an example of like, I think she's like the meanest Disney or Pixar villain. And I was, I could not believe. He's like, she mortified her daughter. I was like, okay, listen, this might be, this might be some cultural relativism. My mom didn't show up at school Mm. with a pad, Mm -hmm. but she's done plenty of things that were fucking absolutely mortifying. (laughs) Like calling, looking up in the directory at every Indian family and then calling them like, I'm Reka's mom. Like we should be friends. And that absolutely killed me. (laughs) It mortified me. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't think she's the meanest villain in all of Pixar for that. It just feels very like she's just, I don't know. She's just extra. <laughs> that seems, yeah, that seems harsh. I've seen, I've seen some criticism around her character. And then yes. it's mm-hmm. also like, which, which we'll like get to is of like her being a character that like is like the tiger mom trope, which is yes. not a trope I'd ever heard of. Yes. Oh, interesting. Uh, but, but then I also like, whatever we'll 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 get there in a little bit but also like once i listened to i watched a ton of interviews with the director because i sort of just like was like i really like her and i kept just yeah letting the videos play Mm -hmm. but the director domi she it sounds like this story is like super particular to her specific life and it's like this is what her mom was like and she's not trying to imply that all chinese canadian moms are like this totally which is so fair yes right yeah sorry i totally interrupted i just simply no no (laughs) that's why we're here yeah not meanest the meanest pixar villain would be who randall from monsters incorporated oh Oh my god he's pretty mean maybe climate change in (laughs) wally that's true that was a bad one we can't forget i would say as a cars 3 expert um whoever the villain of cars 3 is i it was like i don't i've never seen it i was i was gonna say you if you could name the villain of cars 3 off the top of your head i'm like you might actually be the number one cars 3 expert i would not who was the villain in cars one one fossil fuel I industry honest, i i think the cars movies stink whoa well, caitlin okay you're I gonna know. have to trash all I'm that gear sorry. <laughs> see people say that and then they see lightning mcqueen literally driving around disneyland and they lose their minds <laughs> do you not get thrilled when you see lightning mcqueen driving around no one's in the front seat i have not seen this so i i know oh <gasps> Okay, well, let me tell you, he is shirtless. He is hot. (laughs) (laughs) He looks incredible. Better than in the animation. Ripped. (laughs) It is kind of like, not to like wax poetic on this, but you're sort of like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And then sometimes he'll park and you can take a picture with him. And you can take a couple if it's not busy. (laughs) look okay the movies i don't couldn't tell you a single thing that happens in the movies <laughs> besides tractor tipping which is hilarious oh, oh my sure. god are those cows yeah that's them? that's yeah. cars cows cars cows. <laughs> cars cows are tractors yeah. that's interesting funny. <laughs> yeah. okay, okay so different movie may's mom ming arrives home and explains to may that this is happening that she's turning into a red panda because Long ago, their ancestor, Sun Yi, had asked the gods to turn her into a red panda to be able to protect her family. So she developed this ability to harness her emotions and transform 
into a red panda, which she passed on to her daughters who passed it on to their daughters. But after many generations, when the family decided to move to a new place and, you know, they're living in this modern society, this blessing became more of an inconvenience. But the good news is there is a cure where on the next red moon, they can perform a ritual that will seal May's red panda away. Um, for example, Ming's panda is sealed in a necklace that she always wears. Mm-hmm. But the thing is... Uh, this is where a few like plot things get confusing for me. There are like... And I, I, like, I'm tr- not trying to be like mrs cinema sins here but there were like (laughs) i don't understand why ming it didn't occur to ming that this could have been what was happening earlier yeah even though she like plays it off like she's like oh i just thought you were too young but like "Mm, she's 13 i agree with that i thought she was using that as a cover at first to be like Mm. like i thought she wasn't it was like not something known it was like not everyone in the family gets i don't know i I, like or it was going to be a secret from her mom really like certain people or like something like that yeah yeah I was just like she would have seen this coming she knows it's going to come which also makes me wonder because it's a a possibility that it could happen kind of at any time why she would do something like show up at her school with pads which would she knew trigger her daughter into turning into the panda right totally so yeah that got a little I'm like huh for me but it's fine. But you're like, man, it's a, it's a, it's a, mo-. but I do have one more thing though. Yeah. Her friends are about to show back up and they're like, oh my God, you turned into a panda. And I'm like, hold on. Did not everyone at school see her turn into a panda? Yes. Two hours ago? Or no. I watched this scene very carefully a couple times okay. because what happens is when, when May turns into a panda in the classroom, a burst, like a, 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 a plume of uh... pink smoke obscures her got it but even though she lets out a pretty loud roar and (laughs) you you think you would be able to sense the presence of a very large animal right behind you no one turns around to look and everyone's attention is still on ming outside okay okay i feel better thank you (laughs) so it does sleep again (laughs) we do visually understand why no one sees although there's like maybe one or two girls one or two students at the school who sees her as a panda but most people don't okay anyway so the thing with the panda is that strong emotions release it and the more may releases the red panda the more difficult it will be to seal it away come time for the ritual and it's also said that this is her only chance to seal it away but then later in the movie all the characters who have a, a red panda spirit seal it away again, so it isn't their only chance. Anyway. Yeah. Huh. It's because Maymay has triggered a societal collapse <laughs> with the sheer power of her panda. Right. I don't want to be too nitpicky about a movie no, I that I really you. like, but I do have some little nitpicks is all. Anyway, so there's this one chance to seal the, the red panda away, which is the next red moon, which is a month away on... May 25th. And here's the Despicable Me connection. Oh, so Rika, have you seen Despicable Me? Unfortunately, no. <gasps> that's okay, okay. Major spoilers ahead. <laughs> Please. That's okay. I know the, I know my minions, but I haven't <laughs> seen their origin story. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so in Despicable Me, the first one from 2010, 
there's a plot point where Gru has to decide whether to go to his adopted daughter's dance recital or to steal the moon. And both of these things need to happen on May 26th, which is very close to May 25th. So I just think it's, I I observed, I noticed this fascinating phenomenon where Mm -hmm. in one movie, there is a moon related event that conflicts with the a formative child dance events. recital right which is also like music and dancing based yeah the same thing happens in turning red where on just one day before there's a, a moon related event double booked with a dancing singing concert wow. performance yeah coincidence despicable me happens in you can't really tell what year it's happening so if it's happening in 2002, May's ritual takes place on like a Friday. Gru literally steals the moon on a Saturday. The next day. I was just going to say, could you imagine Fortown had to bump the concert to the next day? Oh my God. May goes to do this moon ritual. Uh-oh. It got stolen by fucking Gru. Mm-hmm. What if that's how they introduced the multiverse? <laughs> <laughs> They're PCO. like, wait, oh my god, third act, no moon. No moon. Who took the moon? It's crew. That's, <laughs> oh my god. That was literally inches away from happening. It was literally inches away. Truly. It could have, and then, and then, you know, if the days were switched or happened the same day, all the events of turning red would be moot because there would just be a massive weather event and everyone would die. Yes. I know. You can't not have the moon. This is like the St. Elsewhere universe, how like there's all these shows mm. that <laughs> exist that like couldn't exist in theory if some of the events of St. Elsewhere are true. That's the that's the Gru universe. <laughs> the Gru universe. <laughs> universe. Okay. <laughs> okay. So back back to turning red. Yeah. So the next red moon is on May 25th and that's when this ritual will be. Then May's friends, Miriam, Priya, and Abby, come over and discover May as a red panda. But they are quick to understand and embrace May as a red panda. And they tell her that Four Town is coming to Toronto for a concert on the 18th of May, which is one day after my birthday. Okay, that's kind of a coincidence they didn't really talk about. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Random. So that's good. I mean kind of jealous as an august baby that you would get to celebrate your birthday before the moon was shrunk (laughs) (laughs) right under the wire (laughs) yeah um but so so may knows she won't be able to go to the concert because she'll get so excited that she will turn into a red panda in front of everyone but she discovers that being with her friends or even just thinking about being with her friends has a very calming effect Mm. on her and it neutralizes the panda it's nice although she tells her mom that what neutralizes the panda is like her love for her parents devastating um, and we see this scene where she does some like tests which would could possibly kind of like release the panda but she's able to keep it at bay because she's thinking about her friends So she's like, all right, I can go to this concert. But when May asks if she can go, her mom says no. And then Ming's mother, May's grandmother, Mm -hmm. calls and says that she's going to be coming from Florida to help with the ritual, 
which gives Ming an awful lot of anxiety. Yes. Meanwhile, May's friends' parents also do not let them go to the concert, but the girls, the girls, sorry. To the girls. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry to keep bringing up Despicable Me. Sorry. We're really, it's, for listeners, we are recording this the release day of Rise of Gru, so we just kind of have Gru on the brain. Mm. Mm-hmm. Rika, you gotta see the movie. I mean, it's streaming on <laughs> Peacock. Uh, okay. He has three daughters. He calls them the girls. I was absolutely shocked when you said any of these men had children. Uh, stunned beyond <laughs> mm, belief. Yeah. Yeah. Gru is a father, and make no mistake, he's a bad one. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Is Gru not a minion? He's the man. He's the no, man. No, Gru's Steve Carell. Oh my god, I thought Gru was a minion this whole time. No. Wow. No, and the minions are Kevin Stewart and Bob. Oh, I knew Kevin and Stewart. I thought the third one was Gru. Mm-mm. Okay, that's interesting. So, okay. See, now you can maybe see why I was shocked. I was like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, why are the one of the minions jokes? have three daughters <laughs> and has to go to the site. Honestly, it might be a better movie altogether. <laughs> Probably. But I'm pretty sure the minions cannot reproduce. But they don't want to get into it franchise-wise. It gets too messy. Yeah. Kind of conspicuously absent from the series is how they reproduce. <laughs> Where All the six-year-olds is... the movie is made for, they need to know. Uh... They kind of want to know. <laughs> they simply must. Yeah. Um, okay. So the girl, the friends... They are hellbent on going to this four-town concert. And then some classmates catch May while she's in red panda form, but they think it's really cool and they think she's so cute and offer money to take pictures with her. And so the friends, and May in particular, devise a plan to earn the $800 they need to buy the concert tickets by letting their classmates take pictures with Panda May and like they start selling merch and we see this whole montage and after a couple weeks they've almost earned enough money they just need a hundred more dollars but that kid Tyler threatens to tell May's mom that she's been flaunting the panda all over school but he won't tell anyone if she comes to his birthday party because if she comes everyone will come and he's like trying to be popular Uh, And May demands that he pay her $200 for her appearance. And Tyler agrees. And then you're like, where is Tyler going to get $200? And then you see his house. You're like, oh, I guess it's just around. It's a really nice house. It has very rich parents. But just as May is heading out to go to Tyler's party, her grandmother and aunties show up and delay her. And her grandmother warns slash reminds May that the more she lets this beast out the harder it will be to contain at the ritual. But May goes to the party any- anyway to let the panda out one last time. And at the party, Miriam is like, well, what if you don't do the ritual and you just keep the panda? Because her friends have noticed that May has started to become more her own person and she's not constantly bending over backwards to impress her mom. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... Oh no, Ming finds out that May snuck out and she discovers all the money and the merch that they've been selling. So she storms off. Then back at the party, the girls discover that they got the wrong date for the concert. 
It is not May 18th, the day after my birthday. It's on May 25th, the day before Gru is going to steal the moon. Okay, it's <laughs> really... I, I thought the, like, throwaway joke as to, like, why Abby messed it up was really funny every time. <laughs> yeah. When she's like, Toledo! Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I think that's funny. So the concert is on May 25th, which is the same night as the ritual. So May freaks out and ends up getting really aggressive toward Tyler, which is the exact moment that May's mom shows up at the party. So Ming berates May's friends for being a bad influence on May. And May doesn't challenge her mom and throws her friends under the bus. But we all, we understand that it's because May is very freaked out by her own aggressive behavior Mm -hmm. and she's still you know kind of i need my mom's approval so we cut to may 25th may's friends go without her to see four town while may reluctantly preps for the ritual but then may's dad Jin, who has been a character the whole time i just didn't know how to fit him into the recap i love may's dad so cute yeah he's like known for his cooking and Mm -hmm. he's nice and he's very nice. He finds a camcorder and watches footage of May and her friends having fun. They're singing. They're dancing to Four Town. And he has a heart-to-heart with May about her red panda. Then it's time for the ritual where her family gathers around in a circle and sings from the heart, which causes May to kind of project into this astral realm where she kind of reflects on her experience with her panda and decides to not let go of it and to keep it, which enrages Ming. But May's like, I don't care. I'm I'm leaving and I'm going to the concert. Mm-hmm. And Ming, whose panda spirit again lives in this like necklace amulet thing, breaks during this kind of altercation with May. And her panda is unleashed. It's like a Godzilla situation. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Meanwhile, May gets to the concert. She apologizes to her friends. They forgive her. They start having a great time at the concert. But then Ming, as her panda, which is enormous and very scary, crashes the concert. So May and Ming start fighting and yelling at each other and like physically fighting and May's family shows up to do the ritual again so that they can contain Ming's panda. And then uh, grandma and the aunties all break their pieces of jewelry that contain their panda spirits so they can help. And they start doing the ritual, but their singing isn't working. So May's friends start singing Four Town, and then Four Town shows back up and they start singing. I love that so- Four Town is like not really bothered by. <laughs> What is happening? They're- Absolutely. The power of music is too strong. Mm-hmm. Truly. They're just like kind of like cyborgs that have been programmed by the music industry to like sing at opportune moments. And I love yes. and, Oh, God. That feels very real. It, yeah, right? It, maybe it's commentary on boy band <laughs> culture. This is like Lou Pearlman commentary, you know? <laughs> <This> is- <laughs> it did all feel, I mean, like, yeah, peak Lou Pearlman, God. Where's, I think, there was a Lou Pearlman biopic in production for a while. I don't know if it's going to happen, but wow. I love to watch. But when, like, the, when the boy band all of a sudden had angel wings, I was like, there was something, like, 
that was reawakened in me that hadn't <laughs> that had been sleeping for years. You're like, oh yeah, yes, that mm. used to be really that's it. Beautiful, yeah, yeah. matching outfits and wings. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So because the ritual is, wor- is working now, May finds herself in this astral realm again, where she encounters her mom when she was May's age. And she's crying and talking about the pressure to be perfect and to gain her mom's approval. And May is like, yeah, I get it. I can relate. But it won't always feel this way. And then May also tells her mom that, you know, I'm changing and I'm figuring myself out and you just have to let me be my own person. I'm 13. I like to gyrate. You're like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do, bitch. Good for you. (laughs) We see some other tender moments between Ming and her mother, uh, between Mei and Sun Yi. And then the other women in the family contain their red spirit, their red panda spirits, but again, May decides to keep hers. And that's the big climax of the movie. Then we cut to the aftermath of all of this, where May and her mother still spend time together. And May brings out her panda at the temple, and it attracts even more crowds. But May is also free to be herself and to be with her friends more. And then the movie ends with voiceover from May saying that we've all got an inner beast we've all got a messy loud weird part of ourselves hidden away and a lot of us never let it out but I did how about you the end (laughs) (laughs) and then you get to hear the whole song oh and it's good and it's awesome okay so that's the movie let's take a quick break and we will come back to discuss Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees, every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. And we're, we're back. back. Where do we want to start here? There's like, there's, there's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. I, you're right. Let's go home. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this movie is doing a lot of things, a lot of really cool things it's subverting a lot of tropes there's a lot of like meaningful inclusion and representation that historically we have not seen in major hollywood films there's a lot of like interesting themes and metaphors being explored yeah i don't don't know where to where to start should we start with periods (laughs) yeah yeah because that's like okay the panda represents a lot of things at different times it represents literally getting your period it represents just general puberty changes it represents her connection and her isolation from her culture like it represents a lot of different things but Mm -hmm. as far as periods go so i'm not gonna like read you all of the whatever like ridiculous comments that a bunch of people made there was at least one review uh when this movie came out where it was like I don't know. I feel like this doesn't really happen very much anymore, but it did happen here where it was like a white guy film critic that was like, I couldn't relate with this movie. And so um, what the heck? Uh, (laughs) No stars. There there was someone, I don't know if this is the same person that said like, this seems way too specific to the director's experience. Mm. Yes. (laughs) Which, I mean, it is true that this movie is very specific to the director's experience, but like, but that doesn't make it unrelatable to other people. It's yeah. so fucking boring to be like, oh, this is too specific to an experience I've never had. I'm like, I've never had any experience that is in a movie. <laughs> there is the whole point is like you see yourself in other people. Why the fuck are you watching movies? Are you stupid? <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> That's my unnuanced take. <laughs> no, I mean it's like it's fucking ridiculous. And it's also like if that take were true across the board, then no one would watch like auteur movies at all. Cause that's like yeah. what most of them are. Like you don't hear people saying shit like that about fucking licorice pizza, but like mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson's been making movies about the three square blocks he's grown up on for like decades, you know, yes. it's like, right. And no one has a problem with it. And they're usually pretty good movies. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you know what the issue is here, mm-hmm. but yeah, like uh, all that stuff is really frustrating. I mean, and we can sort of get back to like how specific the, movie is to Domishi's experience as a kid growing up in like literally like she was born in 1989 and grew up in Canada 
with a Chinese family. Like, this is her story, mm-hmm. except I don't think she turned into a panda, but also she could be burying the lead. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We might never know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, it's going to come out 20 years later. <laughs> it's actually a documentary. Yes. Turning Red is, is a biopic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to get the idiocracy treatment. Um <laughs> But, like, just in general, I just wanted to do kind of, like, a quick rundown of, like, first of all, like, this movie does reference periods in a movie that's directed at young audiences. Mm-hmm. And that never happens. True. But even so, it's really not referenced that much. And the criticism that is, like, pushed back against it makes it seem like that is what the whole movie is about. It is basically one scene and like maybe like kind of a winking reference in the title you could maybe argue but like it's that one scene with Ming you know thinking that May has gotten her period for the first time and bringing in a bunch of different pads and like showing her holding pads which is a big deal for movies I mean I can't think of one where that would happen and Domi she's done all these really cool interviews talking about what she watched growing up she references being like a big Lizzie McGuire head which I really appreciate Mm -hmm. and saying like oh I saw so many like experiences that I had had in middle school on that show but they you know you couldn't reference menstruation at all on a show like that in that era you could reference almost everything but I, I feel like unless you found your way to Degrassi um, where it's in the pilot, you wouldn't know. And so that that is a big deal, especially because the way periods are <laughs> shown in movies, at least like very influentially, are usually really negative. Like the, the Carrie scene is like the yeah. first thing that comes to mind where it's like presented as traumatic and horrible and sends you on the road to setting your classmates on fire. Um <laughs> I mean, accurate, though. <laughs> and then the other scene that I, I was trying to, I was like, okay, what were, like, really influential movies with scenes that, like, directly mentioned periods? And the mm-hmm. only other movie I think of was Super Bad, where it's, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, which is a scene that, like, still, I went back and rewatched, I'm like, the scene still doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. No one would do this. Right. Uh, and, of course, <laughs> what was the they're scene? grossed out by the period. A girl leaks oh, yeah. her period onto like Jonah Hill's pants or something. Yeah. And he's horrified. Cool. Um, I just watched yeah. The Florida Project <laughs> yeah. for the first time, and there's a scene where the mom, she like wants to give like a big fuck you gesture to someone. So she pulls mm. her pad out of her underwear and then sticks it to the window yes. of the people that she's saying fuck you to. That Okay, that's fun. <laughs> That's representation. Yeah, no notes. <laughs> I actually, I remember a scene in Nip Tuck that um, we all loved, um, that show, and it was the daughter was nine years old, and her older brother scared her by telling her what a period was, so she thought she had to put a tampon in. Now, she went and put it in and, and left it in. toxic shock. And toxic, got TSS. I remember this episode. No. And was convulsing and went to the hospital, Wait. and I have never, ever fucking forgot that, because I'm like... I'll never leave a tampon in for more than 25 seconds, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) That's fear-mongering from big tampon. Yes. Mm. Uh, But all this to say that a lot of the... What very little representation of menstruation there is in media has mostly been like, 
oh my god it's horrible yeah it's horrible or there's some like weird like delicate flower kind of like Mm -hmm. you have blossomed into a woman kind of weird shit as opposed to just like it's a thing that happens when you're still a kid Mm. and (laughs) uh you still react like a kid around it and it doesn't make you like a woman now necessarily it just is a bodily thing that happens it's just a bodily function yes yeah like and i and i really liked that like ming treated it like she's like anxious because she's like oh i wasn't ready but like she doesn't treat it like it's you know like scary she like tries to be calming about it it seems like maybe they've talked about it before this scene like right it just feels like it sets a better precedent Mm -hmm. for people who get their period for the first time because yeah i don't i got my period super late as a late bloomer in every single way and i thought i had shit myself because we didn't have sex ed at my school (laughs) I love every time you tell this story on the pod, which ha. is, I think, maybe ten times. I told it so many times. <laughs> That's so. Look, if there's and if there's a perfect time for this story, this is the episode. It yeah, was now. This was it. Yeah, but that was that was like another criticism that I saw in this like first wave of like you know right-leaning weirdos who were like this is too much mm-hmm. where they were like this is too young an audience to be talking about periods too and mm-hmm. which also got backlash because it's like you can get your period as young as like eight years old yeah my yeah. friend got it when she was nine and it's like right if you are someone who menstruates there is no rhyme or reason it's hormones like <laughs> yeah it just right. happens when it's gonna happen yeah <laughs> yeah so so all that to say like I think it is like a huge deal that's like a cool thing that there's going to be a generation of kids growing up knowing this of like all genders because I, I yeah. do feel like it's like addressing it even if you're if you don't menstruate it's just a way to be like oh that's what that is right and I don't even think the scene fully explains what that is so I don't know what everyone's so fucking mad about it's, if you like went to the bathroom during that scene you wouldn't be like this is a movie about period like it's like just kind of about like <laughs> right. puberty in general exactly because yeah. the movie is so much more about I mean, and yeah you can map on like going through puberty and getting your period onto the red panda like that's a clear metaphor but there's also again a number of other metaphors or just like themes that are driving this narrative far more than the menstruation thing yeah such as Mm -hmm. i mean there's this and this is kind of connected to puberty in a way that when you're going through puberty sometimes your emotions are confusing and you don't really have the maturity to start drawing people as mermaids and you don't know why (laughs) yes that scene was really impactful you know there's a lot going on in our development and a lot and you know a lot of it is mental and emotional and so there's this kind of theme of emotions and like the pressure to suppress emotions versus letting yourself feel the entire range of your emotions Mm -hmm. so like that's part of what the movie is about there's also a, a very strong if not the strongest theme of the movie which is the idea of honoring your family versus Mm -hmm. honoring yourself and finding a healthy balance Mm -hmm. in that where you can also kind of extend that to a generational thing where kids coming of age in a different cultural landscape than their parents and how that almost always creates generational conflict and then there's also the like aspect of eastern and western philosophies where you know many eastern philosophies prioritize family and community over the individual versus 
Western cultures tending to prioritize individuality and how May, coming from a Chinese immigrant family, I, I think she's second generation, if I'm understanding it correctly. I think so. Yeah. Um, I think it might not be like explicitly stated. Right. I don't think. It, yeah. It's. I'm more just kind of like basing it on like who speaks with what accent kind of thing. Sure. But even so, like her May growing up in Toronto, where aside from her being at home with family, she's surrounded by Western ideology and how that creates tension between her and her family and also her and her friends because like she's being pulled at both ends in these two different directions. And so like, that's what the movie's about. (laughs) Yes. And that has to be relatable to so many groups of people. Right, Right. Exactly. Whether or not you have like a familial obligations thing, just the idea of like, Oh, I feel this way around my parents and this way around my friends. That's like totally. what being a teenager is. Right. Exactly. And I, and I love that the, a huge focus of this movie is on friendship and specifically mm-hmm. female friendship and specifically like teenage female friendship because so few movies are mm-hmm. about that. And I love that this movie examines how your friends, especially at an age like 13 which is like maybe the worst age you can be horrific (laughs) like how the people who understand you the most and who can bring you the most comfort as you come of age and navigate life are your friends like that is such a relatable thing for people especially of that age so i think that's a great point too because something this movie does that i really liked was just like oh i was a big boy band had and that is kind of viewed as like ditzy girl interests you know like not serious Mm -hmm. fandom or whatever and it's like this movie doesn't make like any political commentary on it but it's kind of just by virtue of existing honoring the things a young kid might care about yeah without casting any judgment on it exactly and it's like oh she wants to sit in her room and doodle she wants to talk all day to her with their friends on the phone mm-hmm. and that might be seen in one way by like media but like you see that it is crucial for her like development and her well-being to do all that stuff right they talk about how going to this concert is going to be a major milestone and it's going to basically <laughs> it's like symbolic of their step toward becoming women yes like they're literally like, me and my cousins going okay i'm going to tell another story i've told 500 times in the podcast <laughs> that was how me and my cousins felt when we went to see the backstreet boys the night before 9 11 <laughs> and then it turns out that that was not <laughs> the event that was um going to make headlines that week but wow it's the one i reflect on more frequently uh-huh yes but i really liked how like this movie because we've talked about stuff like this before where sometimes it's like in movies with like kids and like young teens and I'm like thinking non-judgmentally because they were um, important to me but like with Mary-Kate and Ashley movies it's like you have 12 or 13 year old kids and there's like they have romantic interests which does make sense for a kid of that age but it also like it becomes important to the plot that they like have a boyfriend by the end or whatever Mm -hmm. happens but this movie I feel like does something cool that I've never that I can't really think of seeing at least many times where it's like they are having like a this weird awakening that a lot of kids had when they saw boy bands and now boy bands are fully back so it's happening again Mm. but there's no like romantic plot that's important to the movie it's like they're allowed to like 
I don't know. I feel like it kept, at least it like matched my experience kind of closely where it's like 13, like being 13 and like not being ready for an mm-hmm. actual anything, but like Same. projecting like a mad person onto like every <laughs> like cute older boy or like boy band or even like May May when she like has a crush on the store Devin. clerk who's yeah. like clear like she doesn't think anything is going to happen but it's just like the idea of it i don't know it just reminds me of like summer camp counselors she has another crush too on some kid named like carter michael murphy or i don't i just chad michael murphy (laughs) chad michael carter michael murphy it's something (laughs) and every time she sees him she gets all googly eyed and like yeah yeah that's a very relatable experience because again when you're like going through puberty and your hormones are just like firing on all cylinders and you're like horny as hell and I, I like love that this movie is about like teenage horniness but you don't know how, know how to do anything like and you don't know what it like is right. right you're just like what do I do with this but it's just there and it's consuming many of your thoughts which is again like seen as something by society is like oh what teen girls being horny that can't be a th- what that's horrifying or that can't be a, a thing but it's like a very real thing that this movie handles very responsibly mm-hmm. and i just i love to see it on screen there's this book called larger than life by uh, maria sherman and it's like an encyclopedia on boy bands through the ages mm. and like what purpose they serve and like why we have come back to them after decades and decades like there is always some sort of boy band force and Uh one of the things the author says that I found really interesting is like boy bands being elemental and like figuring out your sexuality or at least starting to think about it and this like Mm -hmm. it's a safe avenue to do that because so like what both of you are saying it's like I'm not going to be with JC (laughs) Chazet but I can look at him and feel like he's talking to me in a way I don't feel like the boys in my school were. Right. And that's my, like, safe mental avenue to, like, figure out my shit mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit. I was also a JC girl. Thank you. <laughs> wow. I have a poster of him. JC girls don't speak up enough. Yes, uh, we are hiding. We are hiding. We are afraid. <laughs> it's because his song, it's because his solo song, All Day Long I Dream About Sex, was sex. embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I used to say, oh, wait, here's my anecdote. <laughs> I had that album, which is called Schizophrenic, which is disgusting and horrible. Yeah. But I used to listen to that song, and I would scream the word cupcakes over the word sex because I didn't want my parents to hear. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I love that. My friends and I would do something similar with um, Nellie's Hot in Here. We'd be yeah. like, so put on all your clothes. Yeah. And then my, my mom would be like, awesome, great. Perfect song. <laughs> all day oh. long, I dream about cupcakes he should release. I, that might be coming. I mean, I mean, he hasn't released a second album, so that might be what he's been working on. <laughs> he's been working on it for two decades so now. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, But, yeah, that's fascinating about, like, culturally boy bands just being a a thing to uh, help people be horny and figure out their horniness. Yeah. Yeah. They're just projection boards. Yeah. (laughs) And I liked, I really liked that scene where May is, like, 
<laughs> the animation in that scene is so funny. Like the where she's drawing like these weird pictures of mermaid boys, and she's like, <laughs> "What's happening? What am I doing?" And she's like ashamed, but also like can't stop. And you're like, "Yeah, yeah that's." And there, so I watched. There is like a Disney Plus documentary about the making of this movie i really like went down the domi she hole i was like i want to cool. be her friend um but she had like notebooks like this and then it shows it on screen of like anime pictures she drew of her crush when she oh was gosh. like in middle school and her mom kept it and there's like a scene where she's Cute. like zooming with her mom and she's like hey do you still have those sketchbooks and her mom was like i know exactly what you're talking about and then like Cute. went to the other room and grabbed it and was like 2002 and like there were all these like you know very adolescent weird drawings of like cute boys i was like yes. wow i don't think my parents kept that stuff i hope they didn't <laughs> But it existed. I remember a crush of mine got a wart on his thumb. And this was, like, kind of national news for me. And that <laughs> became, like, my fixation to draw. I'd be like, I wonder when this will go down. And I would draw it, like, all the time. And, in, in, like, when I was in, like, first grade. Wow. Anyway. Humiliating for him. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have, like, my, like kid fantasies I remember like they would be so specific that I would always appear in them exactly as I was yes. like I didn't change anything about myself yeah. which would have made it easier but I had like a specific memory of like I would have the same like fantasy about like talking to Daniel Radcliffe at like <laughs> basically a Bridgerton party yeah. at night and it was like the same thing it would just be my little thought that would help me off to sleep Oh but there was God. like one time where I had conjunctivitis and my eyes were really gross and I had to modify the fantasy. So he's like, I don't care that you have conjunctivitis. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I still like you. Absolutely. Yes. Wow. <laughs> huge, huge. And in that moment, I felt truly seen. Yes. <laughs> Even though I for, I could not see. I had yeah. my eyes were full of crust. <laughs> that is a beautiful story. <laughs> um, uh, let's take another quick break and then we will come back for more discussion. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. 
the all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. We are back. All right. And what shall we talk about next? Should we talk about um, May's relationship with her mom? Sure. And the, like, the generational issues in this movie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we sort of started talk- talking about it already. But I, I like that, I mean, it's rare for a Disney Pixar movie specifically to center a mother-daughter relationship. Shocking that a mother and a grandmother are alive. Uh, yeah, truly. Mm-hmm. And I do like the connection that may and her mom have and i also like that it's like established early on that they like each other and they like spending time together but there's like just certain things they can't talk about mm-hmm. that felt like real where like it's established like may's like i really like working at the temple with my mom like they have a whole system of how they clean and how they host and all this stuff mm-hmm. um but then there's like certain topics that you can't go there and it's yes. like which I thought was like a cool balance and, and and you don't see that in like big Disney movies very much. Right. It's another thing that's relatable. And yeah, I, I liked that the relationships that are focused on, at least the familial relationships that are focused on in the movie are mothers and daughters going back generations and generations where they like honor their ancestor, Sun Yi, who like was this powerful figure who like wanted to be a red panda because she wanted to be able to protect herself and her daughters during wartime. So she like asked for red panda powers from the gods. And then, which is like a good idea to specifically request. Good idea. <laughs> I can't say I would have yeah. thought to do that, but <laughs> damn. No, I've been like a weapon would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, no, I want to turn into the cutest animal imaginable, but also be like very fierce because she was able to fend off bandits and protect her village and save her family from ruin. So I love that that's mm-hmm. like the origin story. And then, you know, this gets passed down. And then we, again, focus in the movie on Ming and May and how, again, there's, yeah, there's just like kind of cultural differences that are creating tension between them. There are generational differences um, that are, again, relatable for an awful lot of people, but are also, they're like, 
there are a lot of like culturally specific things that get touched on in the movie, but still there's a relationship that is very universally relatable, which I thought was really cool. And not many movies pull it off very well, but I thought this one did. Adding to that too, like as someone who's grown up with 2000 aunties and uncles, I've never seen aunties in a children's movie of any kind Mm -hmm. in America. Mm Uh, So it's really cool to see that because your aunties are not necessarily related to you. They might just be your family's friends. And like that bond forms from like being the only people of your race and that speak your language around. Mm -hmm. And so they all just become people like these are the people that are always at my house. They're all my auntie (laughs) or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to see that, too, as a as an important relationship or something that mattered. Like you needed all of them there to kind of do that thing at the end. So I, I like that. Yeah coming together as family Mm. yeah I thought that was beautiful I did see and I think we hinted at this but I saw a lot of criticism about how people a lot of people felt that this movie leaned into the tiger mom stereotype Mm -hmm. yeah I read one review in particular by a 14 year old (gasps) film critic who (laughs) it it was uh, from Teen Teen Vogue Vogue is doing Um, the critic's name is Tabitha Yoon her review is entitled Turning Red Made Me Feel Understood as a Chinese-American Teen. Um, and Tabitha, you know, discusses a lot of ways in which this movie, you know, she feels very seen by it and specific scenes that uh, she really connected with. But she does call out the use of the tiger mom stereotype, um, yeah. which I certainly see. Yeah. But also because Domi Shi is very much pulling from her own experience and her own family dynamics, I don't think it's necessarily fair to criticize someone for playing into tropes when that filmmaker is just retelling their own experience. I watched this with my Chinese American friend and mm-hmm. her parents are immigrants. My parents are immigrants. And it was funny because we were like, she's so much nicer than my mom. <laughs> like, because like, like, I do think there is something like the Tiger Mom experience is definitely like a watered down, very like myopic view of how an Asian person parents mm-hmm. for sure. But there are just certain things where it's like, that was relatable to me in some moments. So it's hard because it's like, this is some people's experience, but it's not other people's experience. Like I, my parents are not strict, mm-hmm. but they are like, I cannot talk about a huge swath of topics with my mom because she will become upset. Mm-hmm. And so it's like mm-hmm. that part was so relatable to me. So it's like, I totally get what this young film critic is saying mm-hmm. where you don't want to like lean on that stuff, but it's so tough. Cause also there's like no representation of that in the Pixar universe to begin with. So it's like, right. if there were a bunch of movies with Asian families and they were all doing that, it's like, okay, it's like, there's only one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no. Uh, and again, I do feel like, her mom like kind of learned to listen to her daughter and learn from her daughter Mm -hmm. and like that is sort of not part of that trope so much uh uh, yeah that's just what I thought yeah yeah I think it's more nuanced than just like the flat trope right and I also feel like that I mean I because the the criticism like I mean, again, first of all, I'm like, I don't really get to have an opinion. I'm from, I'm from a fucking Irish Italian family. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're, um, but I did feel like the the more I learned about how like particular this story is to Domishi, it 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 like I understand the criticism and it is a valid criticism, and I feel like it just speaks to a bigger problem than what this movie is because 
what you were saying, Rika, of like a lack of representation in general, where it's like, well, Domi, she is like telling people her, her story, story. So you can't right. tell her she's wrong to do it. Right. It's totally. And that puts a lot of pressure on her as like one Chinese Canadian filmmaker to represent every, you know, first totally. generation kit. So it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like it just like speaks to what a, what a significant pressure there is on her specifically, which isn't fair. Right. And totally. And Domi, she has spoken a lot about her intentions with this movie and the way she characterized the mother daughter relationship. Um, she was speaking on uh, immigrant children and specifically Asian children quote, they have to figure out what world they belong to, how to honor their parents and their family's expectations, but how to carve out this independent identity for themselves in this new world that their family is not from. I think especially for immigrant kids, Asian kids, and for May in the movie, I think she has to come to realize that there is no perfect relationship with your parents, right. and that is always going to be messy. We really wanted to explore the nuances of Asian parent-child relationships and dealing with change and of intergenerational conflict and how it can shape who we become, unquote. So, like, that was her intention. That's very clearly what comes through in the movie. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and like, I, I agree with what you were saying earlier, Rico, where it's like you get more context for Ming's behavior than you ever would with like a truly like yes. distilled version of that trope because you get like a look at her, her relationship with her mom and how mm -hmm. like totally this is clearly like a generational trauma issue that like doesn't exist in a void and, and like, it's almost a little like oh you're allowed to change traditions to suit you you're allowed it's like a permission kind of thing because like i i just knew someone that was like oh it's almost saying it was okay for her to be mean to her daughter because there was a long line of that i'm like listen <laughs> first of all i feel like there's a difference between being mean to your daughter and being a strict parent i don't know sure. whatever yeah. <laughs> um uh uh but uh, yeah, I thought that was like nice. Yeah, like nice context, nice backstory, nice like humanity given. Totally. Um, here's another quote from Domi Shi that I wanted to share about this. She was speaking about just kind of the conception of the movie and how the idea for the movie came from, quote, wanting to make a movie for that 13-year-old Domi who was struggling with her body and her emotions and fighting with her mom every day and wanting to understand what was going on at that time, but in a fun and unique and magical way, unquote. So it's like, one, she executes this well in the movie, two... Again, relatable because I was fighting with my mom every day too when I was 13. It's simply and what you do. It's just simply what happens. Yeah. I I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm a tireless Domishi defender after watching that documentary. I like her so much. <laughs> And, and I liked how, like, the, the, whatever, at the climax of the movie, like, so much of stuff is, like, focused on, like, how May is, like, struggling to balance her Chinese culture with, like, her Canadian culture and mm -hmm. how there's, like, not really one person that she can talk to about everything and, like, that. And then, it, like, then you get the ritual music syncopate with four town you're like yeah Whoa, synergy it's good <laughs> and you're like this is hot as shit <laughs> right this is what i walked down the aisle to <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. like it works and it's yeah I, I like that it's culturally specific and still super relatable because that's like what good 
kids movies right should be right like, there are a lot of specific references to chinese culture that hollywood movies have historically shied away from and i'm not speaking just of like chinese culture but like any culture that's not like white american hollywood tends to shy away from any stories or references of that nature because you know mr hollywood is afraid that it will alienate movie-going audiences who mr hollywood perceives to be 90 percent white men based on the movies that hollywood has historically churned out so oh, sorry, you mean Mr. Hollywood. Mr. Hollywood <laughs> is Sonny, actually. Is Sonny the dog's so. Sonny yeah. the dog. He's rubbing his paws together. It makes me sick to look at. <laughs> Sonny is actually running Paramount Plus right now. <laughs> My God. But yeah, it was just like very refreshing to have this story with these specific cultural references that a lot of people were able to see themselves in but that the story overall is just very universally relatable. And it does feel like more movies are like, like for kids are headed in this direction where it's like for sure. recently you also have like Coco and um, Encanto, which like yeah. every child in the world is, it's a trigger word for them. They will. <laughs> my, my mom sent me a video. My mom's a second grade teacher and she sent me a video of her just like saying the word Encanto at school. And all the kids were like, <laughs> Like they, it was like they had just done a line of Coke. Like uh, we will cover Encanto on oh, the show at some point. Yes, but, we will. But I like that there's more space being made for like culturally specific kids stories. And also that they're like doing really fucking well too. Mm -hmm. Like I do wish that this, I mean, I think it, I don't know if this, I don't really know about, like production wise, whether this movie was always intended to go straight to streaming or if that was a COVID thing. Mm. I do wish that, this movie got a general release because I do I feel like totally I feel like maybe with the exception of Encanto a lot of like Disney kids movies at least that like feature like non-white protagonists go straight to streaming and don't get right. big theatrical releases right right so uh perhaps a bit of side eye there I don't really know um what the COVID situation is there so I could be wrong mm. but I was like yeah why didn't this movie get a huge release yeah it would have done well not sure what else do I have Tyler is the devil <laughs> I don't think he should have gotten a redemption arc he should have gone to detention <laughs> uh, I like that we see and this I think also maybe the reason that a lot of people had kind of perceived Ming as a tiger mom I think that might have been sort of enhanced by the fact that May's dad jen was very like understanding i'm cool and i'm nice and i'm like also sort of barely in the movie but when i am here i'm super nice but then the flip side of that is like when was the last time you saw like a father talk to his daughter about puberty and like right. accepting yourself true like, I feel like that is never <laughs> I'm edgelording, but I'm like, I think it's good. I think uh -oh. dad being nice about Panda, good, actually. I like, I really liked that scene, like, after he finds the video cam. Yeah, that's Like, the video cute. camera footage. It's really cute. It makes me cry. I like that you see him make dinner yeah. for the family. Like, how often do you see the dad making dinner rather than the mom mm -hmm. yeah and then that's, that's another like fun thing about the story that's like so the the food is really culturally specific and like oh my god it may Pixar be food. hungry oh my god <laughs> <laughs> absolutely listen pixar could should i mean ratatouille too let's go do oh. another food movie <laughs> Come on. Ratatouille. Ratatouille. <laughs> there we go. Where 
Linguini has to help the rat do something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he has to step on the rat. Remy dies immediately. End of movie. <laughs> I also do want to see the movie Rakakuni, which is a reference to everything yeah. everywhere all at once. Hell okay. yeah. Where's that spinoff? Okay. <laughs> it's in the works. It's in the works. Let's talk about friendship mm. really quick. Um, I, we've kind of covered this already, but I, I really liked May's relationship with her friends. Again, I guess this is really, really closely pulled from Domishi's life. And uh, Miriam is basically an analog for her best friend in Toronto growing up. And they were very close. And I guess they're still friends, which is really mm-hmm. sweet. And I, I liked that it's like, they are so close and like when i don't know when you're 13 those are like the people that besides random boys you don't actually know the only people you think about <laughs> like i i just I, I liked their closeness i wish that you got a little more of priya and abby because it did sort of become like the miriam show in terms of like friend stuff i wish that mm. they had more moments yes yeah. i agree especially because i think specifically being around I, I love that she had, like, a core group that had a bunch of Asian friends in it. I think that rolls. Mm-hmm. That was what my friend group felt like, too. And it was funny, too, because I think Abby is Jewish. And it was like, all mm. of my white friends were Jewish, and then all of my other friends were Asian. <laughs> um, Abby, oh, wait. I thought Abby Oh, no. Abby Korean? is Korean. Who Who is... Miriam. Oh, Miriam. Miriam. Excuse okay. me. Yes. She's Miriam the plaid Jewish. friend. Yes. the pla- <laughs> I should have said plaid. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but I just love... I love that dynamic, but I felt like... One of my best friends growing up was Chinese American and we could just talk for just forever about like my parents doing this. That's really similar to something my like it made me feel normal. I don't yeah. know what I would have done without that experience. And I feel like that is the benefit of having that that story wise, not even just from the director's life, like that core group is just like, do you experience like how can we talk to each other and make each other feel more safe and normal? Mm-hmm. So I'm with you there. Uh, it would have been cooler to, to see like more conversations like that though. Cause I feel like they don't really, they happen a little bit of like, my mom doesn't get me, but it's mostly, it's mostly for town and Panda. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be cool if they were talking yeah. about their own parents. I think there would have been yeah. room too to, even if it was briefly just to like check in with each of May's friends families and like just to kind of see yeah what their families are like and what their home life is like but um yeah I we we've talked before about because we've covered a number of coming of age stories on the show but it's a genre that is so white historically and really like upper class too Uh, where there's always like which this movie does do is like fancy house party for 13 year olds. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Right. <laughs> sure. It happened. But yeah, to have a, a coming of age story that focuses on a character of color. Most of her friends are of color and the movie doesn't center whiteness at all is really, I mean, shouldn't be remarkable. That should just be a thing that already exists, but as we've said, there is a severe lack. I mean, this is the first Pixar feature film directed by an Asian woman. And the only uh, Pixar movie directed by one woman at all. Mm. Oh, wow. I think that there's been like a woman who co-directed, but never like Right, because the director of Brave... She got like fucked over. Yeah, she got fucked Did over. She? Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't remember if she ended up with sole director credit or not, or maybe it was co-director. She didn't. Okay. Yeah. No, Domi, she is 
the first Damn. in many categories. Mm-hmm. And also there's like a majority, um, most of the people working in high positions on this show or on this movie are also women. She cool. co-wrote with Julia Cho, mm-hmm. who is a famous playwright. Um, so they co-wrote together. It was produced by a woman. There was like the, if you're interested in learning more, it's all covered in that 45 minute documentary that happens if you watch all of the credits of turning red it just starts um (laughs) but it it covers like all of these like women in high positions making this movie during covid some of them are like trying to raise young children they're talking about like how it's been this is like a really unique project in animation to have so many women at the top of a project and I know everything Disney makes is essentially propaganda, but this felt like <laughs> propaganda that I liked. Good and propaganda. <laughs> yeah, it was making me smile. And so it was, yeah, it, I feel like it's it's a rarity on so many fronts because Pix- I feel like Pixar, there have been like public scandals that have to do with like how few women or people of color are at Pixar and it's like caused huge issues in the past. So totally. it seems like mm-hmm. Domi, she is like the new wave and I thought it was cool that her she says in the documentary uh, that her mentor is my favorite Pixar director Pete Doctor who did Monsters Incorporated so he's been her mentor for a long time and she like pitched him the idea and she tells this anecdote that's really cool where she was like I don't know should it be less culturally specific or like are they less likely to choose this idea to be turned into a feature if it's culturally specific and he I guess he was like nope double down and cool she did and the movie got made so that's awesome love it um does anyone else have anything they want to talk about no I just can't believe that Grew all the moon literally the, the day after day. and it's not addressed that's the shit that they didn't want to put in the documentary they're like it's too dangerous <laughs> the whole grew situation <laughs> yeah the whole weird how that was kind of left out uh okay um, because mm-hmm. i heard that steve carell was having public tantrums about the whole situation <laughs> and could not let it go. Yeah, Kevin wouldn't leave his trailer. <laughs> Kevin's a, was being a complete diva about it. He was like, just push the date by a week. Push and they the said date. no. <laughs> oh, my God. Kevin, Kevin culture. Wild. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I know, that's about all I have to. Oh, the last thing that was just very 2002 specific. Oh, also, this made me laugh where... There are so many things about this movie that are a first for Disney Pixar, but there were a few random internet articles that were like, the first Disney movie to take place in Canada. And you're like, all right, like, that's cool. That is cool. I mean, but it feels like when people are like, trailblazer Jill Biden is the first Italian-American first lady. And you're kind of like, (laughs) great. (laughs) I get like, that's awesome. I I actually do think it's cool because like, I mean, all of Hollywood and like Disney media is is like very america centric so yeah i'm like what about our friendly neighbors to the north yeah the, de- the denizens of uh, toronto were thrilled and i guess that they really like nailed it in terms of like i guess even the name of the stadium they perform at used to have a different name and they did it correctly and it was all 
nice. In conclusion, the best thing that happens in this movie is May making a PowerPoint presentation to get what she wants. Um, (laughs) I have done that. I did that because I wanted to do something abroad and uh, my dad said no. (laughs) <laughs> the answer to the PowerPoint, I've ne- it's never been yes. <laughs> <laughs> you always, I don't know what what happens in your brain. It's like, this will show them I'm a professional. It's like, actually, you just proved to your parents you're a fucking weenie. So <laughs> that's all that happens. <laughs> you just did homework for free. Yeah. And for what? For, just like you do at school, like a chump. <laughs> and then like, we should walk out today. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, as far as the Bechtel test goes, this movie passes very, very handily. Yeah. No question about it between a number of different combinations of characters. Yeah, it's kind of an easy one. We don't need yeah. to break it down. It happens between almost men don't play a big role in this movie, except yes. for the... I, I do think for some reason Fortan passes the Bechtel test for me personally. I, I think because they're talking about us, like they're talking about like, them like girls and uh, you know yeah. we're, they're they're mm-hmm. they're passing it for us and I think that's nice absolutely I agree yeah so let's do the nipple scale nipple scale zero to five nipples based on how the movie fares when examining it through an intersectional feminist I lens enjoyed watching Rika's face when we said the nipple the scale. nipple scale I was like oh you're like yeah 100% okay oh. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry do you have questions no <laughs> pretty self-explanatory <laughs> i think i at first thought it might be like a pie chart of like one nipple and like how much of the nipple you fill in uh, i mean you can interpret it that way if yeah. you want the, the nipple scale is quite fluid oh cool. yeah <laughs> um, for me i would give turning red i would give it four and a half or maybe even f- maybe i just need to talk through this I think all my gripes with the movie are just kind of like little tiny plotty things that I had questions about. But as far as like what we analyze on the show, I don't really have any complaints. Okay. I like the how that's how I have to frame it too. Cause they're, I love complaining. <laughs> then give it a five already. I think it's a five nipples. Yeah. Five nipples. No reason not to. I'll give one to May. One, two, Ming, who's voiced by Sandra Oh. I don't think we mentioned that. So shout out. Beautiful. Chinese Canadian legend. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then I'll split the other three. I'll give one to each of May's friends. Cool. That's cool. I'm going to do five, two. I, I like with the like asterisk of like, I understand the criticism around the tiger mom trope, but because it's like, this is Domishi's story and she's been pretty explicit about it. Right. And so like with that in mind, it's like, I think that that the takeaway from that is like, you just need more movies about Chinese American, Chinese Canadian, et cetera, families. Like mm-hmm. that is the thing. Totally. Yeah. I, I love this movie so much. Um, I am now a Domishi stan and I'm going to give it, five nipples kind of that's just the beginning middle and end i will say it would have been cool like in this movie to it was like i don't know i don't want to say that like boy bands are a hetero construction they are not but (laughs) it would have been cool to like see you know like preteen queerness like i think that that would have been yeah yeah there was room for it maybe there's the quietest suggestion because tyler's also at the concert yes the quietest suggestion because we don't that doesn't mean anything whatever but 
Yeah. I also wondered and- if there's a moment in at the party where Miriam yes. and there's like a kind of goth emo girl. They have a kind oh, of. I thought it was Priya and the goth girl. Were oh, dancing. sorry. What did I say? You said Miriam. Oh. I think it was Priya and the goth girl were dancing and then the other three girls were like, woohoo. Oh, yes, like, yes, yes. Oh, I didn't even, okay, that didn't, I didn't notice that. I was talking about, I think there's a moment where they're doing like charades and then one of them is like. Oh, I'm thinking of a different moment at the party. There's a charades moment and that actually might be Priya too. Now I don't totally remember, but it's one of the friends and then like the goth girl who like have a little like moment yeah i noticed that too so maybe that's a suggestion but it could be certainly more overt that's such a disney move of like josh gad touches another man's hand and homophobia is solved you're like give it a rest but anyways that said like that's like a a very very small gripe for a movie that is so fucking great so i'm gonna give it five nipples give one to may uh, three to the friends, and I'm gonna give the last one to Dad's cooking. Yay! Yeah, Rika, how about you? I will give just as someone who hasn't given nipples before, I'll <laughs> say four and a half because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think everything you said was true. It like really ticks a lot of boxes without even th- having to think about it. You're not uh, scrounging your memory to remember what how it satisfies like two people from a marginalized gender talking to each other right. <laughs> it happens the entire fucking movie um and i think that's really exciting and cool mm-hmm. and if i have to give my nipples uh, uh out if i don't get to keep hoard them um <laughs> i mean that's also want. on the table <laughs> no i should be generous i'm gonna give okay i'll give two to may because i think she earned it i think she did a lot of work yeah. Um, I'm going to give one to Ming because she's done a lot of work too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give uh, one to the friends and one and a half to the aunties and the grandma. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. We, we did sleep on, look, the elder generations need nipples as well. <laughs> That's, uh, That's what I was saying. It's true. It's true. Well, thank you so much for coming on this show, Rick. Oh and thank God. you for uh, bringing us this movie today. We had so thank much fun. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. What a blast. Oh, my gosh. Where can people check out your stuff, follow you online, plug away? On Twitter, I'm at Reka L. Shankar. So R-E-K-H-A-L-S-H-A-N-K-A-R. And on Instagram, I'm at Reka underscore S. R-E-K-H-A underscore S. And, you know, hire me. Watch Grand Crew on Hulu. Yeah. Watch Animaniacs next year. I was like, when does it? I was did okay. Anim- yes. What a treat! Animation rocks. <laughs> it's great. We love animation. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bechtelcast. You can subscribe to our Matreon at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast, where you get two bonus episodes every month, plus access to the entire back catalog of bonuses, which is now over 100. So if you're running out of main feed episodes, scoot on over to the Matreon, and there's a lot more. And if you're compelled by the whole groove situation, (laughs) it's Minions March on the Matreon this July. And so we did cover Despicable Me, where this revelation originally came to pass, amongst other things. So yes head over there you don't want to miss it good for you hell yeah um you can also get our merch at tpublic.com slash the bechtel cast um all right shall we how do we close this episode go to the Uh, i have to go to the 
four town reunion concert oh. in Vegas. And oh my God, wait, one of the members of four town is in QAnon now. <gasps> that wait, was my Backstreet Boys what? experience. Who? But Brian. Brian. Oh no, he my was my boy. favorite. I, Brian was, Brian and Nick were my boys and then Nick's a yeah. creep and then Brian's a Q. He was on Parlor. Oh, he's a, we should he's have, freaky. We should have gone with AJ. We uh, See, we should have known. AJ's been through some stuff and came out the other end. He is strong-willed. Kevin has always been a father to the whole group. Howie that was my been, problem with him originally. <laughs> he's a father to the whole group, I know. <laughs> but also, it's fun to reflect on because I'm like, I really thought Kevin was a senior citizen because he was 26 years old. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Four-time reunion wow. concert. Okay. Well, yeah, let's let's go to the concert. Bye. Bye. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Iberostar Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.